You guys are in gold medal form this morning. Did any of you get a chance to see any of the opening ceremonies of the Olympics on Friday night? We did a stretch on into Saturday, I think. We uh, were into it in my household, so we let the kids stay up late and watch all the people march in and stuff. It was a lot of fun. Kind of a cool experience. And if you picture yourself in that huge stadium there in London and cheering on thousands of world-class athletes as they're coming in and doing all that they do, you get a taste of what this series is all about. The arena inspiring a generation of champions. You know, the Olympics is a time when it's easy to get inspired by all that world-class competition that's going on over the next couple weeks. And, and it's also a time when you want to cheer to inspire others. And that's just what we're doing with this series. We're, cheer- we're being cheered on by the great heroes of faith that are written about in Hebrews chapter 11, where we've been spending this summer. And, uh, and we're looking to become people of faith ourselves that will inspire other people to put their faith firmly in Christ Jesus. So this is a series that focuses on faith. And uh, we want to look again at the definition we're using for faith so that we can all understand the word together. We've been introducing this week after week and and want to again throw it up here. Faith is this, being sure that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he will do. It's certainty of that, of who God is and what God does. And that's our definition of faith that we're working with in this series. Now today we're going to be looking at the life of Abraham, as it was mentioned, and we're going to discover how Abraham's life of wholehearted trust in God can help us live with that same level of trust. We don't want to just look at Abraham from a distance. We want to just, you know, learn from, learn of him. We want to learn from him and have our lives be changed as a result. Now, that's the name of the message today, trust wholeheartedly. And even that two-word term is full of, of deep meaning. First of all, the word trust. Trust is faith put into action. Okay, trust is faith put into action. You can say, I have faith deep down inside me. I have faith uh, somewhere in your heart. But when you act on your faith, that's when it's trust. Okay, when you put it into motion. Now, trusting wholeheartedly, that's when it gets hard. The wholehearted part is the hard part. It's not just trusting God when it's easy or when it's convenient. Trusting God when it's safe. That's really barely trust at all if that's it. Uh, It's trusting him with your whole heart, your whole being, And it's doing it always, even when things aren't perfect. It's sold-out trust. It's constant trust. It's enduring trust. Now, you may say, Pastor John, I know I trust God. I mean, I don't doubt that. But how do I know if my trust is wholehearted or not? I mean, that sounds kind of tough to measure, doesn't it? We're going to develop those ideas a little bit today. But let me start by saying this. Abraham demonstrated his wholehearted trust by being obedient. He demonstrated his wholehearted trust by being obedient, and it starts for us right there, too. If you want to grab a hold of your outline, there's some fill-in-the-blanks, and this is your first kind of before the heart and the meat and the message, and you can start there. Trust God with your whole heart by being obedient. Now, are you familiar with that old gospel song, Trust and Obey? I grew up in the church, and I would hear that often on trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Very simple, very straight ahead, and it's a great right to it, right to the point song. And the song has it right, except for maybe one small thing. I believe that you can't truly trust without obeying. By definition, you can't truly trust without obeying. Those things, those two things are so closely intertwined that maybe they aren't two different things, but really one. Trusting and obedience are really maybe one thing. Now, I guess you can um, obey without trusting. You know, you're going to obey out of like legalistic fervor or a sense of duty. Okay, I'm just going to go ahead and do it. I don't really believe, but I'm going to do it. But there is no way in the world you can truly trust without being obedient. 
Obedience and trust are linked closely together. Now, that's a big deal then. Trusting God wholeheartedly means to obey God. And Abraham was the perfect guy to highlight with this concept here in chapter 11. In fact, the writer of Hebrews and this list of faith people in Hebrews 11 spends more time on Abraham than on anybody, even Moses. More time on Abraham right there. He focuses on him in a big way. He, Abraham, was the gold medal champion of faith, we could say. And with our Olympic scene, that'd be a great thing for us to focus on. We want to learn from him today. You see, I don't want to just have a I showed up kind of faith. As long as we're here, let's do it and do it right and let's shoot for the gold, you know, again, to kind of keep with the Olympic theme here. We can, we can become people of wholehearted trust as we pattern our faith after Abraham. So let's look at him, but learn from him and see how God wants to touch our hearts today. If you want to grab your Bible, you can open it up to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to spend our entire time there. We're not going to be flipping around to different references. So if you have your Bible, you can open it up there. Hebrews 11 will begin at verse 8 uh, as we'll get going. We're going to look at trusting wholeheartedly. Okay, so first of all, trust wholeheartedly by obeying God's call to go. We can trust wholeheartedly by obeying God's call to go, even when the path isn't clear. Now, there's going to be four things we're going to see in Abraham today, and every one of them is a call and an even when, because it usually isn't easy. So obeying God's call to go, even when the path isn't clear. Now, Hebrews 11, verse 8 says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Okay, so here's Abraham. He's living this comfortable, even affluent life in his homeland. And God comes to him and says, basically, Abraham, time to go, time to move. It's time to get busy. Leave your home, leave your country, leave your family, your father's family and your friends. I have a better plan and a better place for you. Now, Abraham may have said, okay, Lord, I hear you. Where are you sending me exactly? And God's response, Abraham, time to go, time to move. Gather up your stuff, leave your home, your country, your father's family, and your friends. I have a better place for you, Abraham. I get the hint, right? Abraham had wholehearted trust, so that was enough. God's call was enough, and he obeyed God's call to leave his home, to leave what was comfortable, even though he had no idea where God was leading him. Not only did he obey, but he, he obeyed immediately. The original language here tells us that even as God's call was coming to him, the timing as God was calling him, Abraham was responding, okay? It was at the same time. He didn't tell God after he heard that, okay, God, that sounds great. I need to pray about it for a little while, you know. I need to sleep on it for a few weeks. I need to talk to my wife and and my extended family and, and maybe even talk to my wise old dad to see what he thinks. None of that happened. God called as the call was coming. He went. Now, I can hear him saying something like, Sarah! Pack up the house, pack up the animals, the furniture, whatever. We're going on a journey right now. God's calling us. And Sarah might have been saying, oh, hold on. Where are we going? Am I packing for cold weather or warm weather? I mean, come on, I'm a woman. I need details here, right? I have to know what's going on. And, and uh, Abraham might respond, pack it all, woman. I have no idea the details, but we're moving. Sarah probably shaking her head going, and you're not going to ask directions the whole way, are you? You know, <laughs> I, don't, I can't. We don't know where we're going. We're going to follow the Lord. Leaving his home, the known and the comfortable for the unknown, Abraham trusted the fact that God promised to take care of him and bless him, and that was enough for him. We look at Abraham and we see that and go, wow, go and leave and go where? I don't know, but God tells me I'm going to respond. What about us? What about you? Are you willing to exercise your faith? It becomes trust by being obedient to the call of God in your life, even if the path isn't clear. 
You know, it's always nice to have everything spelled out, but sometimes God just asks us to move without showing us the next 10 steps along the way, right? He says, take that first step. I'll make that one clear for you. Take a step. Take that first step of faith and, and then trust him to reveal the next one when it's time. It's wholehearted trust, and you can choose to do that as Abraham did. Well, secondly, like Abraham, we can trust wholeheartedly by obeying God's call to persevere even when the timing isn't ideal. To persevere even when the timing isn't ideal and frankly seems off. You see, when we put our faith in Jesus and act in obedience to him, sometimes things happen really quickly and other times not so quickly. You found that to be true? The timing may not be ideal in our minds, but wholehearted trust says this. It says, I'm going to persevere even when things take longer than I want. God's time and God's will is what's important, and I will trust him as I persevere in obedience. Well, we see that here in the life of Abraham. Uh, again, Hebrews 11, starting in verse 9, it says, By faith Abraham went to live in this land of promise, as in a foreign land, living, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For Abraham was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. I'm going to unpack these verses as we read them because there's so much history and stuff chalk, you know, stepped in there. So here's Abraham and his family traveling day after day, mile after mile over dusty roads and trails to this new place that God is leading them, to this place where they can expect to begin a great new nation. They're going to begin this great new nation, and this new nation will be a blessing to all people. They believe that because that's what God has promised them, and that's what Abraham was placing his faith in, God's promise. Only these verses tell us that, that when they get to the promised land, and first of all, they're not even sure if this is the land, is this it, God? He doesn't tell them right away. And then it's not quite the bed of roses they might have hoped for. You know, there's no welcoming committee there. There's no, no palace prepared for them as leaders of this great new nation that God has promised. <laughs> they feel like strangers. We'll go ahead and set up our tents and see what happens. And so they set up their tents, wondering what God had in store for them. And they lived in those tents for a few weeks and a few more weeks and a few more weeks, and a few more weeks. Now, I don't know if you've ever lived in a dry land in a tent or like in a desert for any period of time. Anybody? You know, I sure haven't done that. But I have a feeling it doesn't make for an ideal home for anybody, let alone for someone who was promised a huge promise, a huge inheritance from God, right? Here we go, following God. Here we sit in the sand in our tents week after week, month after month. I'm thinking there'd be lots of sand and lots of dust around, right? Walls that kind of blow in the wind, a little tough to hang pictures on, right? Thinking home decorating here. Not a lot of privacy. Talk about the epitome of paper-thin walls, right? I mean, that's, what, that's home now. This is what it is. It's the kind of place that if you were there, if we were there, we might tolerate it for a few days when we're out camping, right? You're on a great camping trip, but oh gosh, the conditions aren't great. But after just a few days, we would be rushing for home, right? Man, now I need to get home. I'm going to hit a hot shower, maybe even soap in a tub, tub, you know, crank on the air conditioning. And I just would love to be able to prepare a meal at home without having dust blow into it before I eat it, right? I mean, this is where we would be after just a couple of days. And yet we have years and years of Abraham living in those tents. Abraham and his family, they, they didn't rush for home, though, be, because that place where they were led, that was their home now, according to God. God's promise led them there, and although the land of promise maybe wasn't what they pictured, at least at first, they stayed there on faith, trusting God to work things for them in the future, right? They live as it says here in Hebrews 11, as foreigners in this land, in tents, and in fact, for generations, for generations their families live in these tents. 
Abraham's wholehearted trust was strong because he persevered even when the timing wasn't ideal for him. God, I'm not sure this is what I signed up for. (laughs) Verse 10 says that he was able to persevere, not because of the conditions now, but by looking forward to what God had in store for him, even all the way to eternity with God in heaven. Abraham might have said, in essence, God, you know, this tense living, it's for the birds. Well, it isn't great, you know, honestly, but I can see what you have for me, for us, and our future is not only in a permanent city, but it's in the city built by you, by God himself. And Abraham says, I can keep going, trusting that the future will be everything you said it will be and better. That's perseverance. And again, we stop and look at ourselves and say, what about you? We sometimes put, at least I do, I've got to be honest, we sometimes put our timing expectations on God, don't we? And when things don't quite happen when we want them to happen, it can be easy to chuck our faith and give up or change course or just or do something, right? You know, the timing's a big deal. Well, Abraham shows us a different way, showing us that a wholehearted trust can persevere even when the timing isn't ideal. It's tough for us. I, I know I struggled with the idea of God's timing when it came from my desire to get married and have a family. I, I felt like it was a desire God had given me, and I, you know, I love a big family, and this is going to be great. I probably idealized it and everything, and, you know, I felt like it was a desire of God, but as I turned, I was finished college and started career and turned 25, 26, 27, 28, and still wasn't married, going, God, <laughs> hello, you know, and 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, hello, you know, is he not hearing me? What's going on here, right? It was really hard persevering. It was really hard waiting, striving to stay pure in the process and, and, and wondering what God's plan was. I felt like I knew what his plan was. It's just his timing was off, right? <laughs> his timing was off. God gave me the strength to wait on him. It was him, and and although it was a really hard time in my life, it was a good time of growth in my life, one that I wouldn't exchange. I'll tell you more about that later. Let's move on. Third, like Abraham, we can trust wholeheartedly by obeying God's call to believe even when God's promises seem unlikely. To believe even when God's promises seem unlikely. They seem strange. They don't make sense. Now, we see in this passage that God came to Abraham and Sarah with a promise that sounded, well, honestly, it sounded unbelievable. And yet he promised them, and they had a choice to believe his promise, no matter how unlikely it seemed. To believe because even if the promise took a miracle, who was the one giving the promise? The miracle worker, right? I mean, if that's the person you want to believe for a miracle. Hebrews 11, verse 11 says, By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age. (laughs) I got to pause here. That's diplomatic. She was past the age of the nice way of saying, she was really old. <laughs> she was past the age of childbearing, you know, kind of make it sound nice. Since she considered him faithful who had promised Abraham's faith and joining obviously with Sarah here, God's promise of a child. Now this verse gives us a summary of the long story in Genesis where God appears to Abraham and told him that he and his wife Sarah would have a son. You're going to have a son. And that son would become a father as well. And through Abraham and this son, Isaac, a great nation would emerge, a huge nation, innumerable, monstrous. Now, all that sounds great, but there was just one problem, and it was obvious. Abraham was an old dude. Sarah and Sarah was old too, way past childbearing age. Childbearing age. Plus, Sarah had never had any children. She'd not born any to this point, and she's done. She's past the opportunity. This is a done deal. And so God places this promise for them, and it sounds flat out crazy. Are you kidding, God? And in fact, 
Abraham didn't laugh, but almost everybody else did. He said, what? <laughs> Sarah herself struggled with that. Now, sometimes I look at my own family and I think there's a, there's a pretty good chance that with the four sons that Debbie and I have, along with our one precious daughter, we might just turn, um, turn into a bit of a Fairchild nation ourselves, you know? And if everything goes right now, I'm not saying that's a good thing, but you know, as a dad with four sons, it's kind of interesting going, I wonder how that might, you know, might spin out. Well, Abraham didn't have the luxury of youth. He didn't have the luxury of a wife who had a great track record for bearing sons. He didn't have any of that. He had a barren wife. He had old age, and he had the promise of God. He had the promise of God, and for Abraham, that was enough circumstances, history, all the things that might get in the way, and God's promise. Abraham's wholehearted trust said, God, what you say sounds crazy to me and certainly crazy to others, but I believe that you can do whatever you say you will do. And frankly, you can do whatever you want. Now, I don't just believe that in my heart, which is faith. I act on it, which is trust. And years later, when Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah was 90 years old, they had their son, Isaac. I can just imagine Abraham delighting over Isaac and straining or removing to pick him up and straining his back at 100, trying to pick up little Isaac here to cuddle him for the first time at 100 years old. But what a beautiful thought and what a beautiful picture. So we pause again and look at ourselves and we ask, are you able to believe and stand on God's promises, even if they seem unlikely in the context of your life? Sure, for someone else, sure at a different time and a different situation, but for you right where you are. God's promise to care for you, to lead and guide you as you seek him, to give you every good thing in Jesus. Or do you find yourself moving to make things happen on your own? Gosh, I don't know if those things are going to happen. I'm going to move to do this. Feeling like you can make something happen, even if it's not exactly what God wants. At least there's forward motion. Well, fourth, like Abraham, we can trust God wholeheartedly by obeying God's call to let go. Obeying God's call to let go, even when you don't understand why. I, God, I don't get it, but I'm going to let go. That's the idea. Now, sometimes, maybe often, God calls us to relinquish control of things, to, to con- relinquish control of our lives, of our plans, of our ideas. He may ask us to let go. He may ask us to sacrifice or to do what goes against our logical thought process. It just doesn't make sense. Now, wholehearted trust chooses to let go when asked by God, even if you don't fully understand God's plan. It says, Holy Spirit, you be in control, not me. Now, the story of Abraham and his son Isaac continues. You see, God sees and, of course, knows the tremendous faith uh, that Abraham has, and so he decides to test him to see if Abraham's trust is deep and true. God calls Abraham to take Isaac out to the wilderness, away from everyone else, and once there, God asks Abraham, to prepare Isaac as a sacrifice. He basically asks Abraham to kill his son Isaac on an altar to please God. Let's look at Hebrews 11, verse 17. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises, that's Abraham, was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named He, Abraham, considered that God was able even to raise him, Isaac, from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Now, we see here that Abraham was willing to obey God, to trust God, even when the request made no sense to him at all. I mean, why would God want him to kill the son of his old age? 
when God had already said that it wasn't just any son, but it was this son, Isaac, who would be the one to carry on this great nation that he had been promised, right? That, that this great nation of God. Now, not only would Abraham be committing murder, murder, not only would he be conforming to all the pagan religious rituals that surrounded them that God had called them out of, things like human sacrifices, not only all those things, but he would be destroying the very promise that God had made to him. In Isaac, this makes no sense. And, and Abraham could be going, God, I've been living in tents for years, you know, and for what, for nothing? This promise is going away. And yet Abraham chose, I keep putting emphasis on this, chose to trust God wholeheartedly. And verse 19 that we just read says that he, Abraham, was able to let go of Isaac because he trusted God to raise Isaac from the dead. Abraham prepared Isaac and raised his knife. In his mind, the deed was done in obedience to God. And as he prepared to sacrifice his son out of obedience, God spoke to him and stopped him. Abraham, you passed the test. You again acted in obedience to God, even when your obedience took you to a place that didn't make sense. See Abraham going, he promised me, so I guess God wants me to kill him so he can bring him back from the dead. This seems silly crazy. Does God's request of you ever feel kind of crazy? Are you sure, God? Me? Now? So what about you today? Does God's call to you sometimes not make sense, and, and, and you find yourself doubting you can do it, or, or honestly, you probably can do it. Maybe you just don't want to do it. That's usually the case. It's not ability. Can I do it? It's do I want to. God, you're calling me to something that doesn't make sense to me, and, and I wish you'd just ask somebody else. Find another Abraham. It isn't me, right? Why would you ask me to serve in the jail ministry or, or with student ministries, with students, or, or go to Mexico? Or, or I don't have time for all of that, and I don't have the obvious gifts that those things need. Somebody else certainly fills, fits the bill better than me. Except choosing wholehearted trust says that you can let go of your understanding and your control. You can make the sacrifice and you can allow the Holy Spirit to give you the desire and you the strength to do everything that God calls you to do, whether you understand why or not. It doesn't have to make sense. I'm just responding to God. Now, the result of a wholehearted faith, God will reward your faithfulness. We see this here in Hebrews, but God will reward your faithfulness. In Hebrews 11, verse 12, tucked in the middle of this passage, there's a verse that says this. He's talking about Abraham and Isaac. It says, therefore, from one man, Abraham, and him as good as dead, meaning he was an old guy who had nothing, <laughs> he wasn't going to have any kids except, oops, he did, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. God did everything for Isaac that he said he would, excuse me, God did everything for Abraham that he said he would, and it's that way every time men and women, every time, thousands of years ago and also today. You know, for me, my years of persevering over time uh, and waiting, waiting for the right time and for, for, the, for my marriage, it led God to preparing me and leading me uh, to my beautiful bride, Debbie, one month before I turned 36. You know, God needed a lot of years to get me ready is what I discovered. <laughs> you know, it wasn't where is she, it was like, work on my heart, God. And she absolutely was one of the rewards to me and my family is, and I am so grateful for that. I wouldn't trade it. Every time God's going to reward your faithfulness, it's not a maybe. It might not be when you think or how you think, but it's, it's sure, as, sure as can be. Now, 
was Abraham special as a man of faith? I mean, can we just look at him and kind of just elevate him and ooh and ah, Abraham, Father Abraham, right? <laughs> For those of you into that. Sure he was. The, the Bible speaks to that. But, but you can be a special person of faith too. It isn't just him, this, this person that you can't be like. You can be exactly like him. You can make the same choices, enter in the same relationship with God and trust in that same way. You can be a special person of faith as you choose to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you into wholehearted trust. So you find yourself in a spot where you can ask the Holy Spirit to give you the desire and the strength to go. Go, even when the path isn't clear. God, give me the desire and strength to do that. To persevere even when the timing isn't ideal. To believe even when God's promises seem unlikely and just seem strange. And to then let go even when letting go means you don't understand why and it doesn't make sense to you, but you're going to trust him. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you that you have given us a chance this morning to look into the life of Abraham. It's chapters and chapters in the book of Genesis, and yet here in Hebrews 11, it it lists some verses and kind of summary of an amazing life of a man of faith God, that we've seen somebody who acted on his faith and obedience in ways that weren't easy. And God, we can be intimidated by that or we can embrace that, Father. And I choose that, I, I pray this morning that each one of us would embrace that and say, God, it sounds way more than I can do. In fact, it is more than I can do. You need to do it in me. But I'm gonna choose to take that step. I'm gonna choose to go. I'm gonna choose to persevere. I'm gonna choose to believe or to let go all of those things, God so that my faith will become wholehearted trust and be active so that you can reward me in this life and in the life to come. Father, I pray that you would build that up in each one of us. And Father God, I also pray that uh, if there's someone here today that maybe has never put that wholehearted trust in Jesus Christ himself, that they would consider that this morning. If that's you sitting here today, you've heard about trust and wholehearted trust in God. Without Jesus in your life, you aren't gonna be able to do that because you can't do it on your own power. It begins with the relationship with Jesus and you can start that this morning simply by surrendering to him and saying, take me as I am. Put your faith and trust in Jesus, making a a belief statement in your heart that Jesus, the son of God, came to earth and lived a perfect life and died for you to take away your sins so you could have a relationship with God. And you simply ask for his forgiveness. Jesus, I believe in you and I ask you to come and cleanse my heart. I put my trust and faith in you. Forgive me, cleanse me, and then lead my life. Lead me into this wholehearted trust that will glorify you and will help me to become all you've created me to be. And you can pray that prayer this morning right now and enter into God's kingdom. Father, we love you. We look forward to understanding on a day-to-day basis what wholehearted trust looked like. And we sure look forward to the rewards that you give us as well. In Jesus' name, amen.